Welcome to R&R Showtime with Robert and Ryan. And today we will be discussing the final Return of the King, Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Have you seen this movie? No, you should tell me about it. Oh, it's this little indie flick. You probably never heard of it. Uh, so. All right. Describe the whole movie to me real quick. Uh, uh, a battle happens. Some guy tosses jewelry in a volcano and that's pretty much it. Oh, I think I heard about that. Cool. 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 Let's talk about it for hour plus. Uh, yeah, sure. All right. So. Uh, I guess for, let's start first impressions. What do you remember feeling when you saw this movie as a child? Glory. Straight up glory. Satisfaction. Hope. Destiny. What did you feel? Um, some of those, honestly, it, it was, it was such a satisfying conclusion to the three movies. Like, but I, I left, two towers like i i know more or less how this is gonna end but i want to see the the final steps to get there and there's some details of the ending that i did not quite that i did not know and so to see those things happen just felt so like well earned and smart and well crafted it's it not a lot of people know this but return of the king is a good movie yeah, so good. It won the most awards, uh, Academy Awards of uh, any movie. I think it may hold that as as a tie with some other movie. I could look that up real quickly if you want to talk about some other stuff. Yes, yeah, still literally fantasy th- third in a trilogy fantasy film holds the most Academy Awards alongside s- something else that probably, you know, would make sense to have. Titanic and Ben Hur. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, the the third of a trilogy, fancy movie, holds a tie for most awards with Titanic and, and Ben Hur, and it holds the record for the highest clean sweep because it won every single award it was nominated for. Whereas Titanic and Ben Hur were nominated for awards that they didn't win. Yeah, losers. <laughs> nice job, not getting, not being the best. The the counter argument would be that. Uh, Lord of the Rings didn't get nominated in the in all of the prestigious categories, which would include the acting categories, whereas uh, Titanic, I know at least one of its wins was for uh, acting. And I don't know. I've never even and apparently it wasn't her. Leonardo DiCaprio. No, yeah, it was uh, Kate Winslet. I'm pretty sure she won. Fucking just wow. Yeah, there's always it's always adds to the whole like Leonardo DiCaprio just being constantly snubbed for being in like amazing movies and being doing a a fantastic job. I would need to see who was who won that year to say whether or not he didn't deserve it versus who lost to Kate Winslet that year. So those two specific awards could have been justified. But let's Mm. talk about the return of the king. I don't know. This went a little more interested in talking about Titanic. I am a little bit, but let's let, let's let's focus on the topic at hand. Fine. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So first impressions, you felt the glory, the majesty, the absolute, you know, pinnacle of I, I do the two towers, I think, is the better movie. But Return of the King has the benefit of finality and mm-hmm. 
just like giving you every single thing that you uh, well i guess not technically everything but like everything feasibly ends in a way that's just so clean neat and satisfying and what it should be right the only things that don't get resolutions are the things that didn't have real story arcs to begin with or are resolved in very small ways because the arc was so small. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, let's just jump right into it. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going based off of memory here. Haven't watched the, you know, he, Ryan asked, have you watched this movie? Uh, I would say not recently. It's actually been a little while since I watched it. Um, so Ryan might have a bit more fresh memory for how exactly all the scenes go. Um, and he's probably going to pull up a summary so he can read along and, and keep it tracked. But yeah, basically we start the film, uh, you know, immediately after the, you know, last previous battles, uh, the, the movie actually starts with like a flashback, I yes. believe, um, to Smeagol and Deagle basically fishing. And, you know, and, you know, after falling in the water, his friend slash brother, cousin, sure, yeah, cousin. Deagle falls in the water and, you know, spots a, you know, glimmer deep under the, the river and grabs it. And it is a beautiful golden ring, which Smeagol then proceeds to murder him over yeah. and take it. And we see this sort of uh, this slow degradation and casting away of Smeagol and how he turns into Gollum as he as he uh, he abandons his life as a hobbit to go be in the Misty Mountains which is why before this podcast, I put on a little bit of a Misty Mountain Hop by Led Zeppelin, which now I know what the Misty Mountains are. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. But Gollum and the evil ones slipped up and crept away with her. her, her, her. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. I hope you guys all enjoy our, our musical renditions. <laughs> Um, Stay tuned for an entire cover album of Led Zeppelin songs themed around Lord of the Rings. It's not a ton, but it's more than you might expect. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we have this flashback and we have, you know, Frodo kind of awaken with the start. Um, and they are now, you know, I'm not sure exactly where they're, where they're supposed to be. I mean, they're moving through like a, you know, a portion of Gondor that's very close to Moria or not Moria, Mordor. Oh, Jesus. Um, and you know, I almost can't remember yet. You like they awaken, they haven't gotten very much sleep and they're kind of just on the borders of these, you know, dark, dank lands. And I, s- I can give it how uh, Wikipedia puts it. Yeah. Gollum leads Frodo and Sam to Minas Morgul. Yes. Where they watch the witch King of Angmar leader of the nine Nazgul lead mm-hmm. an army of orcs towards Gondor. Is that like literally the first scene that happens in the movie? No, you skipped over, uh, uh, Gandalf and Aragorn going to Isengard. Right. Okay. So we have them like getting up, proceeding on their way, and then we have a procession of Rohirrim, uh, including uh, Theoden, Gandalf, Aragorn, Legolas, Gimli, uh, all pro- heading towards Isengard to, you know, assumingly make, you know, go go forth and in treaty with Saruman or make him pay for what he's done. And when they arrive, they see that you know. <laughs> They, they see two hobbits sitting on a, on a broken wall and they flooded, uh, you know, the, the flooded land smoking some weeds and, uh, eating some food. Yep. And you know, they're, they're overjoyed to see them basically safe. And apparently like the victors over, uh, you know, Isengard, um, and they proceed forward 
to confront Saruman, who's being held up in his tower. Uh, and, you know, during this confrontation, Thaden speaks to him uh, and Gandalf speaks to him and, you know, sort of like basically like calls him out and says like, hey, eat a dick. Like you're, you know, I'm, I'm breaking your staff and you're no longer, you know, in power here. And during this exchange, you know, he basically like, you know, s- s- uh, smacks down Grima Warntongue and sort of cows him into position um, when Thaden is trying to kind of like, you know, hey, you know, Grima, you, you used to serve me like loyally at one point, like just, you know, leave this man, come with me. Saruman's like, shut up, you know, basically slave. Uh, um, and because of this slight, Grima decides to kill him. Yeah, and stabs him. Stabs him. They both fall. All the way down. Legolas shoots Grima. Oh, yeah. Legolas shoots Grima and Saruman's body falls. And lands on like a... The spike of like a, you know, one of his wicked, like, what, I don't know what it would be. Like, some, you know, big, it's like a big, you know, spinning wheel thing that must have been used for something. I mean, it's, it's like, it looks like it's some kind of like, like a dam thing, but it's, there's no reason that would be there for, I mean, there's like no water. So nonetheless, he falls on this thing. It slowly turns into the water and he's just, you know, really put under water. And from the water, uh, I believe it's uh, it is Pippin. Pippin that notices the uh, the Palantir, mm-hmm. which is like a crystal ball. Yeah. So it's, you know, and we see this in the you see it in the first movie. You see it in the second movie being used by Saruman. You see uh, originally it was Gandalf when he was first speaking with Saruman, when he was betrayed by him originally. And Sauron reveals, he's like, I, you know, hey, look, let's use the plantier. And uh, Gandalf is like, no, like using the plantier is as dangerous because, uh, you know, Sauron has a plantier. And if you he could interact with you or he could, you know, force, you know, his power over you through it. Um, And so Pippin finds it and Gandalf quickly takes away from him and, you know, is like, you know, hey, here, give me that. Like, this is dangerous. And. Yeah, they basically, after you know, they they resolve that sort of confrontation and move on to basically like you know they return to Adoras. Yeah, to have a celebration, basically like oh, Isengard's been you know completely conquered and we be defeated the army at Helm's Deep. Yeah, yeah. So uh, celebration you know, is had. It's yeah, a fun, celebration. It's a fun night. Yeah, much drinking, much much fun is is uh had and everybody you know takes to uh, rest after, you know, a few interactions, you know, uh, Aragorn speaking with Gandalf and Legolas and Gimli and some, some fun and the, the hobbits, you know, dancing on tables. Oh, before we get too far, one thing I wanted to note, the difference between the uh, uh, book and the movies is that Saruman does not die there in the tower in the books. In fact, Saruman goes on to basically like, he he like he is cast out like they're like go and like you are you know like i've taken your power and you go now like you go and, and harm nobody else and so from there on that point saruman goes on in disguise as he and he goes to the shire and basically like turns over like a revolt in the shire and like takes it over and like corrupts the shire and like and acts and he like is in disguise as like some leader hobbit um and yeah, basically just like makes the Shire shitty and like, you know, under his sort of command, like he acts like he's he's a guy in command of the Shire and, and like, yeah, it's corrupting it. And when the Hobbits return, they actually at, at the end, they return basically like heroes, but essentially like lead a bunch of the Hobbits in a in like a, you know, rebellion against this new little weird regime that's going on. I could I could see that not being 
necessary to the story and and tacking on to a already some say long ending yes exactly so it, it is not like necessarily anything that really because this is all this is all occurring after the ring is already after they've already won yeah exactly this all just happens when they return home and, and uh but yeah they like basically lead a little rebellion you know, force their way you know to pass like this you know this uh little um disguise saruman find out it is saruman in disguise that's leading them and then then grima kills them i don't know if you'll be able to particularly recall this but according to wikipedia right now it references that uh saruman and grima do not only appear in the extended cut mm. so is the saruman death scene not in the theatrical release of the film do they just get there and they retrieve the the palantir from the wreckage no no i'm i because is it you know i forget actually it's again it's been so long since i watched a theatrical that maybe maybe they just find the plantier. Maybe, maybe that's how they cut it. They might just say that like they found it and it's in the. But I, I feel it. I, I don't know. It's been so long. I really can't remember. It, a time it seems not like a weird die. thing to not include, but I, I, I that that's just what Wikipedia yeah. says. So I don't know if that's yeah. accurate. For saving time, I could see why they don't even why they might not include the Saruman being killed part. They could just be like, well, I hey, look, they found the plantier. Like all the stuff got wrecked and you, yeah, something you, something happened to Saruman and whatever it resolved itself. Yeah. Saruman was basically beat at the end of the two towers. Yeah. Killing him at the beginning of the turn of the king isn't technically necessary, but it yeah. feels good to see. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I, it's uh, understanding why if, if he doesn't die in the theatrical version or we don't see that, I think, no, no, no. I think that, I think you do still see him die. I think there's just less, there's less of the confrontation. There's less of the conversation to it. Yeah. Um, because I know that there's like a part where like Saruman casts like a firebolt at Gandalf and like he like absorbs it and and stuff. And I, I know that that's not an extended version thing. So I think there's a little more to it added on, but I'm pretty sure we do still see Saruman die in the theatrical. Regardless, we get back to the sleeping after the night of merriment. And we've noticed at this point that um, uh, Pip, uh, after seeing the the Petalantir the first time, he, he keeps... St- thinking about it his mind keeps being drawn to it it's almost as if it has a similar draw as the ring of power Mm -hmm. and so in the middle of the night he sneaks off and he takes it from gandalf and he looks into it and bad stuff (laughs) yeah and bad stuff and it but also good stuff yeah also tech yeah technically good stuff and it alights and you know there's uh like we see it like light up and like the shining light like it's on fire and he's like it's like won't like release from pippin mary wakes up aragorn and gandalf they force it from his hands and recover it and in the morning it's revealed that gandalf after you know like basically interrogating figuring out what what it was that pippin his interaction was pippin did not reveal anything about like it was literally sauron like you know piercing into pippin's mind and like you know forcing information he was torturously forcing information from him uh like magically mentally um but he did not reveal anything about frodo and sam only that he knew about the ring and so basically there was and in in the connection to his mind uh pippin saw something in sauron's mind which was you know a great white city with a white tree and so they not only did they essentially deceive Sauron a little bit to make him think that Pippin is the Hobbit, Hobbit with, with the ring, yeah, but that uh, they they now know that Sauron's next target is to attack Minas Tirith. 
uh, the you know the main city in Gondor. And so now they know they know that they must go warn them and potentially marshal forces and and go to their aid because this is where a great you know like Sauron's you know forces are going to be going. Theoden though, uh, you know, hearing this says, "Where was Gondor when we needed assistance? Like, I'm not sending more of my men to die." Um, you know, and, and he's maybe not, he, you know, in the wake of such a, you know, huge battle where he lost a bunch of men, he's, he's not like at this point willing to, or eager, yeah, eager to, to run off to a potential battle right now. Um, but Gandalf says, we need to go and I need to take you with me, Pippin. Uh, we, I need to at least go to Miss Tirith and warn them that there's a, you know, something coming and that they need to be prepared. So Gandalf takes Pippin with them. And, and, and Aragorn, he, he basically trusts Aragorn to try and uh, convince Theoden to rally the troops to yeah. the seat of Aragorn's throne. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, you know, there's a moment where Pippin and Merry basically say goodbye because this is the first time that they'll have been separated on this entire journey. And, you know, we can assume that they, you know, like these are these guys are like best friends and like the separation is going to be you know it'll be a little difficult for them it's interesting that in this movie we see the separation of both hobbit pairs Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's i mean maybe there's something to be said for that maybe there's a meaning to it it it, it gives each hobbit a chance to stand on their own for a time and and yeah go on their own sort of uh growth and journey a little bit as opposed to them just being the hobbits like you know and i I, obviously at this point frodo and sam have separated and mary and pippin have separated but we get moments where we get to see all of them like become their you know like show a side of being a hobbit that is like being their best selves and also in some ways their worst selves for maybe not for all but not for all but but uh but yeah we see them you know like being in this world of men and how it sort of uh you know changes them and how they have to adapt and complicates and evolves these characters yeah and that is one thing i think even about return of the king that maybe is satisfying is that here is where you really see these, you know, the hobbits are, have basically just been like fun, you know, whatever hobbits. And in two towers, you see some of the suffering, some of the the pushing through the, you know, the fortitude that hobbits have. Um, but here's where you really see like the 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 bravery uh, that hobbits have, the the, cur- the courage. The I, I think I referenced this in the two towers podcast, but at, at the end of the two towers, the hobbits have gone through some stuff. But the stuff that they go through in this movie, like, is is like makes the first two films seem like like baby stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so I think that's that's just this is one of those points in this movie that really adds to its uh, significance. Why this movie? I mean, may, I don't know if it's why it won awards, but I mean, why in some ways it's it won the award for the trilogy as a whole. Yeah. Like, not not to bring down this specific movie, but after you get those three movies. Like they they weren't going to give awards to the two towers because it's a middle point. They needed to see where it landed, and it landed, and they gave it awards. Then, yeah. Um, but it is uh, this is this is a point that this movie has that the other ones really don't quite hit. There there is a little bit in you know in the Fellowship where you have you know Frodo and Sam like them moving from this place of like safety and where they're the typical kind of almost hero's journey where you're moving them from this, like the, the known world into the unknown world and seeing that sort of transition and how they have to deal using, you know, uh, aid from their guides and mentors to, uh, you know, adapt, overcome and sort of like move into the new position that they have to be in to, to succeed. But it, it's, it's less pronounced. They still seem like they're just like 
kind of like happy-go-lucky hobbits. And they're just, especially like Merry and Pippin, don't really feel like they make much of a transition, you know, by the end of Fellowship of the Ring. Two Towers, again, even even in Two Towers, you don't really get so much of it. Here's the thing. In the Two Towers, Merry and Pippin are in the forest the whole time, pretty mm-hmm. much. Like, once they get out of the hands of the orcs, they're just walking through the forest and talking to Treebeard. And then Treebeard and the Ents in the trees, they're the ones that battle in Isengard. They're never in any real danger in that movie. And uh, then, to say that... I, I wait with the orcs. Yeah, at, yeah. Past the point of the orcs, but that was set up in the first movie. Right, it's right. just resolving the fellowship in that way. And Frodo and Sam, they're... Mo- they're dealing with Smeagol, f- who, for the most part, isn't a immediate threat to them in the two towers. And then they're dealing with Faramir, who you at least have some comfort in knowing it's a human they're dealing with. Mm-hmm. Um, and a human who you... I don't know. I don't know if it's just me, but I had good... I When I saw Faramir, even though he was like being like an antagonist to the quest. I had the fe- a good feeling about him because he's a, he's a human. He, I, I figured he would figure it out and he's, um, uh, Boromir's, uh, brother. And I know Boromir is a good person. So I felt that some of, in the end, Boromir was a good man. Mm-hmm. And so I had some feeling that his brother would end up being a good man too. So like the biggest threat to the hobbits in that second movie was, uh, whether or not this human man would do the right thing and whether or not the the beginning of the movie rescue would happen and mm-hmm. it, it, it this movie however things get different but let's 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 get back into the story so yeah. gandalf and pippin yeah. are off to minas tirith yeah gandalf and pippin they head off to minas tirith and basically they arrive they well I, at this point we can go into Frodo and Sam. No, because I, I think oh. so. I believe that Gandalf is is there and has arrived. Okay, in, well, let's do that. Yeah, in Minas Tirith before this happens, because I because there's a scene that's sort of important, um, like something that they they see. Um, and so Gandalf arrives. He comes there with Pippin. Um, Pippin uh, and Gandalf go before um, Denethor. Denethor, yeah, uh, the father of Faramir and Boromir. Yes, and the steward of Gondor. And Gandalf basically says, hey, you know, the enemy is coming to your, your door. You need to be prepared. Like, they're going to be sending, you know, like, he's, he informs him what's going on. Denethor is like, you know, why didn't you tell me about my boy being dead? Like, you know, like, I know that my son is dead, and I, I'm aware. He shows his, his his cloven horn of Gondor and is, you know, distraught. He's he's certainly like, you know, this this is like, you know, disturbed me and you come now telling me this, but you, nobody, you know, none of your, your party came to tell me that my son was dead. Uh, and you know, he's a little like, like standoffish with Gandalf Pippin in the moment when he's, you know, talking about that, he, he says, Hey, I was there. Your son, you know, died defending me. I will pledge my service to you, you know, in regard for that, that debt. And Denthor, you know, accepts and he's like, all right, well, you know, fine, cool. Uh, at this time, Faramir also comes and reports, oh, I think oh, one thing. No, we're not there yet. Oh, it is not. Is this not uh, when Faramir showed up to report that? No. Now we can. 
so they leave and they see the tree and they have that conversation. Yeah. Because because Frodo and Sam see the troops lead to go to where Faramir is driving Faramir out. Uh, yeah. So, right. we, so we have before, to do Frodo and Sam before Faramir right. shows up. Yeah. Because they so the important. So Frodo and Sam, we have them and they arrive at this just dank, you know, like glowing green city with these like, you know, these like ghastly looking gargoyles out before it, Minas Morgul, um, you know, where the, the, you know, the kingdom of the Lich King, uh, the, it, witch, it, the Witch King. Uh. Based on the names, I'm assuming it's basically the, the bad equivalent of a Minas Tirith. The, yes. The Min- Tirith and Morgul. Yeah. It's, ba- it is literally like a city that used to belong to men of Gondor. It was called, um, like, uh, it was called uh, like I, th- I can't remember exactly what it was called. Like, it might have been like Ethelion or like Minas, you know, something. But but it wasn't Minas Morgul, and it was like a you know, in like a more older age. Like the they attacked and took that city over and and uh, you know took it as their own. Uh, Mordor did the you know the forces yeah. of evil. Um, but so we see we see them there, and they are led past these you know, and, and Frodo gets this like this calling, like something calling him towards the city a little bit, and he's dragged back by Smeagol and Sam and you know they are you know they make their way they after watching as referenced this huge army of uh, men you know let forth in a crazy orcs uh, sorry not men yeah orcs and this and this like glowing green blast into the sky uh shoot out and it is seen that this green blast is seen by Gandalf and and Pippin from where they are and all the people in Mist Tirith see it as well like they're they're all seeing this this green glow that's like putting this darkness into the air. Uh, and, you know, people are like, kind of like, what the fuck is that? You know, they're tripping out a little bit over it. Um, that's why we had to, I, I remembered that, you know, that Gandalf and Pippin had to get to Minas Tirith before because they see that from there. Yeah. Um, and we have them basically proceed and start climbing up this, this, I mean, you could say stairway, but it's, I mean, it's practically up the side of the, the, the cliff. It, it, it's a stairway carved into a cliff. So it's not like, it's not like easy steps. It's more yeah. like climbing a, a continual ledges. Yeah. I mean, it is like, it, it's, it's carved in a way you, where you almost barely notice it. I mean, it looks, you know, nearly like the, the mountainside that they're climbing up. And it, you man, I, I always remember like seeing that and just like, I don't know. Every, every time I see it, I think I'm like, that looks so like not something I ever want to climb on, you know, like it, 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 it's in the middle of, um, uh, it's not quite into Mordor yet, but it's right on the barrier of Mordor. So it's scary. It's not, it, it it's not a place you want to be. I mean, I just think of it from like the perspective of like climbing something. I mean, I guess like, you know, uh, but it's also like d- a dark cliffs. Face. Yeah. It, yeah. It just looks like the, the worst thing I would ever not want to climb. Um, but so we have that and they basically begin their, their climb up this, you know, steep stairway. Though we're also seeing it from the perspective of a hobbit. So it's, it's a question of what it looks like to climb for a man, which it actually may, may mean that the ledges are smaller and mm-hmm. it's harder to climb for a normal sized person. Huh? Oh, that's actually a good note that I never really thought of that. Yeah. We're, we're looking at it as if they are hobbits. So they, I mean, it'd be like a child climbing. And so, so it's probably a harder climb because they're actually having to climb more, but they have more room. So like when we see them like take breaks and lie down, that same space is probably not afforded to a normal person. Right. Um, yeah. So we see this, we see them begin that journey up 
And then we cut back to who are we cutting back to now? It's the Witch King's forces are uh, descending onto uh, Osgiliath. Osgiliath, yes. Yeah. Where uh, Faramir and his forces are. And basically they're overwhelmed by the orc forces and they have to retreat back to Minas Tirith. Yeah, we, we see them overwhelmed. They begin retreating. And while they're retreating, the ring race uh, flying on their, their drakes come in and, and are harrying the men that are trying to retreat on horses. And uh, Gandalf rides out and, you know, with his staff lets out, you know, this beam of light that, that basically like shunts the ring wraiths off and, and safeguards the men to make it back into Minas Tirith. And on Faramir's return, he goes to his father and says, father, you know, we've lost Osgiliath. Like they, they completely overwhelmed us. And he also informs uh, uh, Denethor that he, let go the ring of power or maybe his troops do, but he, he admits to yeah what was noted in the second movie as mm-hmm. basically breaking a law or yeah. like going against Deneth or Denethor's wishes. Yeah. Um, and this uh, P- Pippin is here in this moment, you know, in uh, his garb, which there was like a moment where Gandalf saw him putting on his tabard and uh, you know, the, of the, you know, uh, the servicemen of Gondor and, uh, he's there, you know, just like basically on guard being, you know, being like a servant uh, to Denethor. And uh, in this moment, Denethor is like eating. And it's, you know, like this, this moment, Denethor seems so like lacking in care, very ac- accusatory to his son. Like you lost Osgiliath, but your brother would have held it. And, you know, you, you let this go. You, I mean, like, like he just doesn't like care about his son. Like, and he just like, Basically ends up saying, and, and I believe Gandalf is here for this. Um, he ends up saying, he's like, well, you know, I, I think your brother would go retake the city. And, you know, puts it to him like, you you need to go retake the city. Go go do it. And Faramir ba- tries to make it clear. There's there's no way. Like, they are holding the city. And, like, we, there's, it, it would, you know, it, it's not, it, it wouldn't happen. But, and Denthor sort of, like, implies, he's like, I, I don't care. You know, make it happen. Do it. And, and Faramir just feels like he's like, you're sending me on a, like a, this is like a, a death march. Like we won't return from this kind of thing. And that they're, yeah, he just doesn't care. He's like, yeah, do it. You know, make, do it. You know, are you worthy of being the captain of the guard? And so Faramir agrees, knowing that he is like. Basically he, marching to his death. Yeah. He's, that his father sending him to die. Yeah. And, and accepts that. And, you yeah. know, has this, even this, I, I, I can't remember exactly the words, but he says, he's like, maybe, maybe, you know, maybe after this, like you'll, you know like have thought of me as fondly as you thought of Boromir. Yeah. It, it's really, it's really sort of like messed up relationship. Faramir yeah. has with his father. It It's why don't, don't play favorites. Love your kids equally. Like, even if you have a favorite, don't tell them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. You know, Hey, sometimes when you know that you're not the favorite, it makes you like try to be better and stuff. Like I knew that both our parents hated me and that you were the favorite <laughs> and you know, that just made me try to be a better person. They still don't love me as much as you, but you know, whatever. See, but like, here's the thing. I was always like, maybe they love me more, but maybe they don't love the real me. They love the idea of me. Whereas uh, they probably, if they knew who I really was, they wouldn't love me and I wouldn't be a favorite, which honestly, I don't even think I'm really the favorite. I'm just the younger and like, there, there's like dynamics with that. So, but hey, yeah, <laughs> yeah, there's no favorite. They love us equally. But so 
this moment, uh, and this moment is really punctuated by like Denethor's like eating, like grossly eating while telling his like uh, son to go away. And it's just like this, you just get this like feeling from Denethor. I don't know. Did you get this? Like where, where you're just like kind of disgusted by the man. Oh, I did not like him at all, yeah. but that's the point. Yeah. And yeah, that they're, they're really painting it out. Like, so you don't like him. Um, I didn't like him in the second movie when he was mean to Faramir and like overly like Boromir is the only kid I care about. Like yeah. I, that put me in a, bad opinion of this dude and nothing there's no quality to this man in return of the king that is likable yeah other than he has two cool sons yeah so one thing um in uh so no you know like i like kind of like talking about the books and mentioning some of the stuff i i remember from it but uh there's an explanation for why so like denethor in this movie he's made out to just be like an unlikable guy but a little bit like how in in the movies bormer's painted a little less noble and good as you might as in he is in the books uh in in this there's a reason that we understand why denethor is like this and it's not it's not mentioned in in the movies at all because it's not necessarily super important to it but denethor they have a palantir in uh minas tirith and denethor has been using the palantir to gain an edge but in but sauron has basically been putting fake images like putting fake images into the palantir of Denethor seeing his city fall and be corrupted uh, and, and them like losing. And so Denethor believes that these are visions of the future. And he basically like is convinced, like it, it kind of drives him mad and convinces them that like, we are, we are destined to fail here. Like we're going to fail. And honestly, yeah, it, we, we haven't gotten quite to the point of his madness, but like he does seem to be sort of unpromptedly crazy. Like it, it I could see the death of his son and seeing the troops and the green spire and all that putting fear into a person's heart. But like he goes from or we don't even know. He just seems like he's crazy, a little bit crazy to begin with. Yeah. Over the over the loss of Boromir. That's really the only thing that should that would prompt him being this way within the film. So knowing that in the book, that's the explanation it makes his character make more sense. Yeah. In the movie, they frame it as this, like loses Boromir already sets him off. Like, uh, you know, has this, like, you know, the, this relationship with his sons where he thinks of the, the, you know, his younger as like a lesser and then loses his lesser and realizes like, I've lost both of my kids now. And it like drives him insane. That's how they pose in the movie. Yeah. But, but in the books, it's really like, no, he's been like magically tampered with through his use of the plant here and has been predisposed to basically be insane. Like he's already thinks that, he, he not only has had his mind like messed with, but like thinks that they're going to fail, like they're going to die. And when these armies like show up, he's like, oh, this is it. We're going to lose. And so he kind of just like, you know, throws it all away. Like he's just like, oh, I don't care anymore. He he is he's been like shaken and like purposefully made like that. So it makes him like and, and it implies that Denthor is not like that, you know, like that. He was also strong, noble you know, man that was leading Gondor for some time. And that this was more the reason that that ended up happening. Um and so, like, in the movies, it just portrays him like he was a piece of shit, uh, which, you know, to give him maybe some credit from the original uh, text, like, he wasn't a total piece of shit. Like, he was kind of, you know, like, he was put and made that way. But in this movie, like, fuck that. He's just a piece of shit, so. All right, so at this point within the story, we're going to... The movie weaves it very well, very artistic. Really, some of the, one of the best things about these movies is the way that it weaves in between multiple storylines, 
in a way where anytime you go to the other storyline, you're like, oh, great. I want to see more of this. But you also feel like, oh, but I want to see more of what I was just watching too, which is always a great uh, skill you to have when you're weaving multiple storylines together. But it does make it hard for us to recap. And uh, Wikipedia's uh, plot synopsis at this point basically breaks it down into what Frodo and Sam do up mm-hmm. into the point where they see the forces and they're stopped and the what the 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 going to and the battle of Minas Tirith are basically two separate things at this yeah. point. So which one do you want to tackle first? Um well I think I think one of those leads into what the real like the real finale of the movie is and where all the stories come back together. So I think we should go with the Minas Tirith and it is the bulk of the story as well. It's yeah. going to be faster to get through the other one. Yeah. So um, back with Aragorn. Yeah. So back with Aragorn and Thaden. So what actually does happen though? Um, I, I think we actually have to go back just a little bit. So we have uh Faramir has been sent on this charge and we see him and the men are like slowly coming out. Actually, you know, I think I just realized I was getting stuff wrong during that conversation with Faramir. He was not eating food. Eating food happens when he is, uh, He's sitting on his throne and uh, talking with like this is when Gandalf and Faramir are both there, and then we see Faramir being let out. Gandalf is like, "Don't do this!" Like, you yeah, know, you know, like that you're not supposed to do this. And Faramir is like, "I, I must. Like, it yeah. is the it is the command of my king. Even if even if, like Gandalf knows what he's that he's going to his death. Faramir knows that he's going to his death, but he's like, I have to. You know, it's like whatever. Yeah. My life is worth nothing. My my father like basically doesn't give a shit about me. I might as well die trying to do something noble, anyways. Um, Which and we see these men basically getting ready and, you know, to head out and, and leave. Um, and then this, this really, uh, what a beautifully put together moment with the music and like, uh, the back and forth of showing what's happening as Faramir's men begin to make their way and they begin this charge while Denethor, it, this is when he's eating. This is when he's just like disgustedly eating and, and you're just like, Oh, what a, you know, like piece of shit. Like Lily, he sent these men to die and he's just like over here fucking gorging himself. And he asked Pippin to sing and, and Pippin sings this, the song that there's this mournful. Oh, I remember this scene. That yeah. This is actually really, yeah, a really well put together. Yeah, exactly. It's an, it's amazing. You know, a key scene. I think a lot of people remember from return of the King, just how it's punctuated with Pippin's sorrowful song while they're being, you know, they're, they're marching to their deaths and we see the orcs, you know, lining up all their bows ton, you know, hundreds of, of, of archers ready to just rain arrows down on these, on this basically small garrison. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a you know like a few dozens of men you know versus again just like hundreds of of archers and they're, they're just on open plains. There's nothing you know like this is this is an attempt to retake a fortress that they already lost. Yeah, a, a fortress to that's the heavily same fortified people. and with with like a, a with company less of, people than you had before. Yeah, with a company of cavalry, which is yeah. just like I mean any people that like know someone about war and tactics is it's archers not, archers versus cavalry. You know, unless you have archers, or unless the cavalry are on the archers, are it's basically a loss. Like, <laughs> yeah, because because basically what they need to do is siege the 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 base that they lost, and they're not going to do that with a bunch of horses. Yeah, exactly. And so we basically see, you know, without seeing it inherently, we see the you know Faramir and his men are just cut down by these arrows it doesn't show up but again it's it's so well put together where we just see them lose their arrows quietly like like and you know that's and the end of Pippin's song and we just know that they were probably all you know put down but and it's just a a sorrowful moment 
uh, there. Uh, but Faramir's body is recovered. Yes, but Faramir's body somehow basically like makes it like his horse makes it back and he is on the verge of death. Um, and brought forth to Denethor and, you know, Denethor is distraught to find that his, I mean, like now, now he cares, you know, now it it would seem, you know, he's, he's distraught to find like his son, my son is dead. He believes the son is dead, even though Pippin identifies he's, he's not really dead and he's trying to tell him that. Yeah. But prior to this though, an important thing has happened. Um, that Gandalf Plead, this is when Gandalf, I think, originally was pleading with Denethor to light the fires, call for aid from Rohan. Yeah. And Denethor was like, no, we don't need, you know, these the horse lords don't care. They won't come to our aid. You know, like, I won't stoop to even calling for their help, right? So Gandalf basically, you know, incites Pippin to, like, you know. Go up and light the pyre himself. Yep. And, go, and Pippin lights the pyre, and it is light all the way across, and it is seen all the way in Rohan, and and... Aragorn runs in to tell Théoden, like, they've, the, the beacons are lit. Gondor calls for aid. You know, will you answer the call? And now in this moment, you know, Théoden, even though he previously did not wish to go forth, really on his own, like, I'm not going to send my people out here when they, you know, when they haven't called. But Gondor does call. He, he hears that they have called for aid. And, and Théoden says, all right, let's go. Let's do it. I, we will go to their aid. And, you know, in this time, like, it is, it is greater than all of us. And we need to be there. And they and they call they did like these beacons were, were there for a reason, so at this time you know we have Faramir and all these things happening, but we know uh, the parallel story that's happening is Aragorn and Theoden, Legolas, Gimli, you know they're gathering the Rohirrim army. Yeah, the Rohirrim have been gathered and they are now making their way as fast as they can to Gondor, uh, and along the way you know they are set up when they're getting close to the you know getting close to Gondor when the battle is is uh, you know coming close to time. And during this time, Aragorn receives a visit from a, you know, someone in the night. He is visited by Elrond, who has come to present to him uh, the reforged sword of Narsil, now Andriel, the Flame of the West. Um, which, note from the book, uh, Aragorn was re- received that sword before they left uh, uh, Rivendell? Rivendell in the book. Like, he's had that sword the whole time. That makes sense, and it was kind of weird to see Elrond just appear. Yeah. But he also is able to share with him the message uh, that uh, Arwen is dying. Yeah, that her that her that her power, her her livelihood is tied to the even star, tied to this world. That the evil being like her, her staying within within this realm. Uh, if this if if the evil does basically if Aragorn doesn't win, if evil is not like put down, like she will fade. Um, and like, you know, there, it doesn't really clearly say, I, I don't even recall from the book to say why this is or what this means. It, I think it's something to do with like her, you know, in the movie, it's implied something like she gave some kind of power to Aragorn. And if he does not, you know, like succeed, then like she will be, you know, like she is weak to the evil or the corruption that is exists. And she, you know, it will overcome her if they cannot, you know, defeat it. Yeah. Um, but it's not very clear what exactly it all means. It's sort of like implied. And I, and I don't frankly remember even in the book that being like much of a thing. Cause again, there is no moment where Elrond shows up in the book and says, here's the sword. And my daughter's like dying. You know, that's just not, yeah, it's, it's not really in the book. Um, you know, he gets the sword before he leaves that he grants that to, you know, they, they reforge a sword and give it to him before he leaves. And Aragorn is basically, he, he, Elrond's basically at this point telling Aragorn like, Hey, this is the sword of the King. And you're going to your throne. You need to reclaim your throne. Yeah. 
And he also says that, you know, like if you like that, you need to walk, you need to go and, and you know, summon like aid from like, you, you will not win this battle and you need to summon aid from somewhere else, somewhere, someone that only the, that will serve the King of Gondor. Like you need to walk here. And they, they have basically camped outside of this like odd pass that has been referenced prior to this conversation as being like, you know, like the dead live down there and you know, we get a little flash of like seeing almost like a ghost in it and stuff. And, and it's referenced like, this is the path of the dead and that, we, we find that, you know, the story is explained to us that long ago there was, you know, in a, um, you know, a, a city, a kingdom here that swore allegiance to Gondor and in Gondor's time of need, they called upon them and they did not answer. And so they were cursed as oath breakers and literally cursed to, you know, like to, to die and, and exist as, you know, these tortured ghostly forms. And so we see Aragorn, Gimli, and Legolas because it, it, Aragorn wanted to go off on his own, but Gimli and Legolas, they're his buds. They 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 set out on this quest with him, and they're going to finish it with him. Yeah. So they they leave the um uh, the Rohirrim troops, uh, and there is like the sense uh, of the troops to like see Aragorn basically leave, and they think, is he abandoning the fight? But I think it's it, it is a good opportunity for Theoden to uh, establish himself as his own leader because I I don't know I get the sense that like Aragorn's a really in, the really inspiring figure amongst this like yeah he he's being a kingly person but Theo, Theoden is still able to quash the sort of doubts that mm. would naturally arise when basically Aragorn like the a shining, hero yeah when he leaves. There, there is going to be some doubt sowed through the army, but mm-hmm. Theoden is able to basically inspire his troops and yeah. say, hey, you know what? Even if he's leaving, like we're still going to this battle and we will fight to the death and we will go give it our all. Like, and it is important. This is not just for us or any one person. This is for all of all of man. And, you know, he he inspires his troops. Um, one thing that's uh, we left out a little bit was that when they were leaving Edoras, uh, that Mary wanted to go with them but they were like you know nobody will take you on their horse like nobody can look after you i was gonna i was gonna bring this up but i didn't know if you wanted to save it for when they come up in the battle but yes (laughs) yeah so i mean it's important to know that like but but uh, you know in disguise eowyn uh brings mary with her who is entrusted to be the steward of uh Adolas while the king was away. Yeah. So, you know, they think that she's in charge, but really she is, you know, she says, I'm not leaving. I'm not missing another battle. So not only does she disguise herself and, and join the army, but she brings Mary with her. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so she is along for this ride. Now, while the Rohirrim continue their march and they, they continue on to go and aid Gondor, uh, Aragorn and Gimli and Legolas proceed down into these, this dark tunnels into these paths. And eventually they emerge into this like, you know, underground, almost city like area. And they're confronted with literally thousands of these ghostly forms. And the, the King leader of this, you know, city of ghosts and comes before Aragorn and, you know, is like, who are you? What are you doing here? Aragorn says, like, I, you know, I come to you know call you to fulfill your oaths. And he says, only the king can, you know, call me to fulfill these oaths. And you are no king. And, you know, he goes to, like, strike him and cut him down. And, and Aragorn is able to block his sword because he has the mat, you know, the, the reforged sword of Narsil, the sword of the king. And yeah. because he is the king. And, and the ghost almost doesn't believe him. But Aragorn is like, no, like, in, in this moment, this is almost symbolic, right? Of that up to the maybe this point in the movie, we have had 
Aragorn has like not fully wanted to realize this being the king. Um, he's been, you know, the ranger and he's been on this journey helping Frodo um, because like to think about it, like him not having immediately gone to Gondor and say, all right, I'm going to go be the king and like lead Gondor now. Right. Yeah. Like, why didn't he just do that from the beginning? Like, why was he going on th this quest? He, because he in, a, in a way he had no right to. He didn't feel he had the right to. And others would have just seen him as this. Yeah, you have a bloodline, but what have you mm -hmm. done? Yeah, exactly. Right. And that, and I think that Aragorn the, being such a noble, like truly noble in his heart felt the same thing. He was like, I don't deserve this really. Like I'm not the king really, even though he is the rightful heir. He never felt like he deserved that. But in this moment when he needs to come defend his people, he was like, I will be the king that I have to be to 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 save Gondor and and the world, essentially, like say, you know, save everyone. I will, I will rise to what I'm supposed to do. And then that moment there saying like, you know, even if the, we could say like maybe he has the blood and he has a sword, but like that's almost him saying like, I am the king, you know, like I am the king and I will call you to fulfill your oath. And the, the ghost basically respects it. Well, I don't know if it's different from the extended to theatrical, but at first it seems as if the ghosts rebuke them because they're basically cast out of mm -hmm. the crumbling cavern. But once they appear outside, the ghosts appear with them mm -hmm. and basically answer the call. Yeah. And so Aragorn does enlist the aid of a, a ghostly army to come in and aid them in this battle. And then we see them, we see them basically uh, come upon these, uh, the, the ship riding mm -hmm. the, the bad humans on the enemy side. We see them come across one of these ships and they take it over to with the dead army. Mm -hmm. And that's basically, we don't see Aragorn yeah. until they appear yeah. in the battle. Yeah. And, and uh, they know about these ships because Gandalf was the one that he basically told them. He said, Hey, there are going to be some ships. Like there are going to be men coming down the rivers and ships coming that need to be like attended to. Like there, the reinforcements will be like coming from the rivers. Uh, and so they knew, knew about that because of that. Um, and so at this point, now we come to Minas Tirith and before Minas Tirith, the armies of Sauron are coming forth. So we, we casually mentioned the fact that Denethor at this point is basically driven to madness. And so Gandalf is basically forced to be yeah to take over the the leader of this army yeah denethor literally like yells out he says like flee like all of you like it is doomed like he screams to his people like out loud so they all can hear him that that it is doomed like you know like you know flee for your lives and and uh like and really does not you know do anything to help the situation and, and gandalf is like just has to basically go around and rally the forces like no yeah. we're fighting yeah we're gonna yeah. we're gonna do this like have some honor basically like, yeah, Denethor is just being a big mess this whole big battle. Old baby little <laughs> bitch. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Denethor like retreats into, you know, and takes his son and he, you know, tells his men like, bring, bring wood and oil. We're going to, you know, burn my son like, like the, you know, like the kings of old, like we're uh, yada, yada. And Pippin sees this and is like, wait, what are you doing? Like he tries to stop. He says, Faramir is not dead. Like he, he notices that Faramir is breathing and still alive. And is sort of trying to prevent this amongst all this, all this craziness and madness as these, the huge armies of, of Mordor are coming forth, like more troops than even were at Helm's Deep with massive siege towers that are prepared to, uh, and, and, uh, catapults that are prepared to siege this, you know, much greater city than Helm's Deep was. Yeah. Um, the entire, this, this huge array of fields before Minas Tirith are, are full of, of ranks of, of orcs. And yeah, it's, it is impressive. I mean, 
I think I think we looked up the figures, uh, you know, because we were talking about how many orcs were at Helm's Deep. And can you uh, do you remember what it was? I think it said like something. It was like one hundred fifty thousand that were supposed to have been at um, at uh, Minas Tirith, and I think it was um, something like like a fraction of that um, was at Helm's Deep. I, I I can't immediately see it, but uh, we can. Let, let, let's mm-hmm. let while you look that up. Basically, it, this is happening throughout the battle. But the ba- basically what happens with uh, Denethor and Faramir. Denethor and is basically taking Faramir to be set a fire on a pyre with himself. Like he wants to kill himself and his son, who he thinks is dead but isn't really dead. Pippin grabs Gandalf, and they're able to basically stop this from happening. They're able to take uh, Faramir off the fire, but uh, Denethor catches fire and basically runs <laughs> off a ledge, it, like burning with flames, like having given up. Yeah, Lily just, you know, flies off. And, and the battle is basically raging by this point. Um, Gandalf has already marshaled the, the forces, and the forces are attacking uh, the Sauron's army, which I did confirm, 150,000 in uh, in the army that was besieging Minas Tirith, which is just like ridiculous. I mean, like that's, you know, small countries, you know, uh, of people like so, cities. Actually, no, it's like cities worth of people, I guess. Maybe not. I get there probably are countries with 150,000 people, but I don't know if you would remember this. When do we see that the tree has? Uh, so the white tree of Gondor of Minas Tirith uh, is basically left um, uh, essentially dying because Mm -hmm. it can't it can't bloom without the rightful king on the throne yeah but at some point i can't remember the exact point but at some point we see a bit of life on the tree and i can't remember when that happens but i feel like it happens during the battle but i'm not certain i'm you know i'm not sure because that's that's like an extended edition thing if uh you know if, if there if it was displayed um but so we have this battle occurring uh, you know, the city is being besieged and they are like attacking the gates and it is, I mean, it's looking bad. Like the gates are, are the main gates are like busted down by this massive battering ram and Gandalf is there trying to lead the troops, you know, defending the courtyards, but every, they're being pushed in to retreat. And it is at this time that uh, Theoden and the Rohirrim army arrive on the scene. Yeah, they were, they arrive with you know, with, with the light at their backs, though, like the the, the sky's been cast in darkness, and that was kind of the, uh, the the green beam that went out was was like a a preceding darkness that was supposed to be covering the skies to further like you know put fear and and you know like you know take away their hope, uh, you know, with the literally darkness encroaching. Uh, and we yeah, like Ryan said, we have Theoden and them arrive, you know, prepared. He rides along, has the Rohirrim ready to, to hack their flanks, and the Rohirrim rush in and crash in, and really are are beating down like successfully on the orcs. They they are actually like, you know, I I can't say that they are like winning the day, but they are turning it more in the tide of of men, and that is when uh, when the Oliphants come in. These war Oliphants with men on their backs, and just like they come in, and just start tearing men up like and it's man it's just so rough to see that like i mean war is already you know terrible but it, it just seems so one-sided when when these huge siege elephants come in and they're just 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 wrecking through all the all the rohirrim just like there's nothing they can do about it like they're firing yeah. some arrows and things but it's just like i think i think before um uh, 
some reinforcements come. I think the troops on the ground are maybe able to take out one Oliphant, like like after like a besiege of the Oliphants basically taking out a ton of men, they're able to maybe get one down before we see later reinforcements. But during this time, we also have uh, Theoden uh, basically have a one-off with the Witch King. Yeah, the Witch King comes down and and challenges Theoden. And basically, I mean, like, it's really not much of a challenge. He basically, you know, takes him down, whips him up around on his horse and tosses him to the ground. And, you know. Right when he's about to finish him off, uh, this uh, knight or this uh, uh, armored soldier from the battle, Eowyn, shows up and uh, lops off the head of his uh, his his drake. Yeah, with the help of Mary, he's able to, uh, or she's able to uh, kill the Witch King. Yeah, which, another note from the book. So, back in the Fellowship of the Ring, uh, we have a whole section that's totally skipped over, right? This There's a thing about Tom Bombadil, they go through the Old Forest. Uh, after the Old Forest, they go to the Barrow Downs, and they encounter basically some ancient wraith ghosts. And during this time, all four of the hobbits, or it might just be non not Frodo, the other three hobbits, all of them gain these uh, barrow daggers. Um, these bar- so like the swords that that um, are given to them by Galadriel, not Galadriel, uh, Aragorn. Ah. Uh, uh, Aragorn gives them a couple blades, right? Like, oh, here's here some sword genie weapons, right? Uh, in in the original story, and, th- and this is actually a thing that because they left it out, it makes no sense why what Mary does make does anything, right? But it's because he has literally a special dagger made for killing race. It's it's literally a, a weapon made for killing undead creatures, yeah. And so when he goes up in this moment, we see uh, that the Witch King is is fighting Eowyn, and and like really kind of, I mean kind of beating her down. She's standing against him and and stuff, but he like destroys her shield and like breaks her arm. And Mary comes up and stabs him in the back of the leg with this dagger, because he stabbed him. The the real reason that. Eowyn is able to kill the Witch King is not because, uh, you know, she's a woman, but it's because Mary basically weakened him to a state where he he was mortalized and could be killed at, at that point with his dagger. Yep. But even with that, they do successfully. Eowyn, you know, I am no man moment, which again, another one of those iconic Lord of the Rings moments, stabs the Witch King right in the face and and slays him. Yeah, honestly, I... I, I temporarily get, slays him. I get how it makes more sense in the book, and there's a certain level of oh, that's like something set up in fellowship being paid off in Return of the King. That's cool, but I do like the uh, I cannot be felled by man. I am no man. I I, I think I think that works better. And I want to talk about Aowen l- later about how I didn't really like her that much in Two Towers, but. This, this moment it's just so triumphant for her like yeah. it's it's it, it is such a and the fact that happens with her and mary it's such a cool just thing to witness yeah no it is it is an excellent moment i i do love the i am no you know man it is it is a really cool like you know reveal triumphant uh sort of thing and not to take away from it by telling the you know in the book reason i just think it's it, it, no, it, yeah, it's just adding. Yeah, yeah it adds I, a little I background and makes it actually makes the whole thing make more sense. Like, why why is stabbing him in the back of the leg something that like crip, puts cripples him to the ground and makes it so that she can kill him? Like, it, he should just be like, yeah, cool story. Like, I'm literally a, an, an undead ghost. Like, um, and so uh, after the witch king is felled, uh, she goes to her uncle 
and basically he he ends up dying in her arms. Yeah, and, but she's there to to be there for his last moments, and and uh, you know it's kind of like a touching thing. She defended him, saved him, and you know he almost. Saw, I think in this moment it's also a little bit of a. She's he, she got to like you know be like she's like I'm a I'm a strong warrior woman, and and you know constantly it's been like no 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 you're a woman. I mean we get that you're strong, but you need to stay here. And in the moment it was like no like look at this I saved you here in this moment. And he sees her, recognizes her in that moment as like knowing that, you know, like you are, I know you are that strong, you know, woman. And, and you will like, I'm, he's like, it's okay that I'm leaving behind all this to you. Like, the, like, because you know, you are that kind of person like Rohan's in good hands. Yeah. So it's a, it's a cool, powerful moment, but this, this is almost like, this is almost like a turning of the battle. I mean, their leader has been destroyed. And at this moment is when Aragorn and the army of the dead arrive. Yeah. They've taken over all the ships that were supposed to be their reinforcements and, and destroyed their forces. And now the army of the dead arrives and basically just is an unstoppable force. It, Not only is it an unstoppable force, but we see, I, I believe it's Legolas is able to just go up and take down one Oliphant all on his own. Yeah. You know, just, yeah, he literally solos a whole Oliphant, you know, of course, like you know, ultra badass. And I'll say that I think that's my favorite sequence of the battle. Yeah. Is just watching Legolas take down what was such a crazy threat to so many. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's a very cool like moment to watch. And, and it, of course ends with a little funny. He comes down and uh, after <laughs> it still counts it, as one. It still counts as one. Um, uh, yeah. Which yeah, I, yeah, I love that too. Um, but at this point, I mean, the battle is basically with the arrival of Aragorn and the army of the dead. I mean, the battle is basically won. one, yeah. um, you know, the witch King is slain. And the army of the dead is, it cannot be stopped. Like they literally just, you know, slaughter any orcs in their way. And they, they tear through the city and kill any orcs that are left. And, and the bat, they, they are saved and the battle is won this day. And, and as a reward for helping them win the battle, Aragorn frees the dead. Yeah. Which even at first, like uh, against Gim Gimli is like, no, no, we can use them. Like we have, there's more than we can do. But, but Aragorn says like, no, you came when you were called, you fulfilled your oaths and you released them as a good noble King would, right? Like you, yeah. you did as you were asked. And now I'll release you to your thing as a, as opposed to using them like some kind of weapon or tool, you know, abusing them, you know, their, their power. And in, in, in the wreckage of the battle, we get, we have, uh, I believe Aelman reacts to seeing his uncle has been felt. I think Aragorn yeah. also reacts to this, his yeah. old friend. Yep. Yeah. they they all, you know, take a moment to, you know, like give their respects to, to, you know, Theoden who fell, who came to the aid of Gondor here. And, and died, you know, for it. Um, but from this, we basically get uh, a, you know, at this point we can hop back. They've won the battle of Minas Tirith yeah. and they're basically trying to figure out what to do next. And mm -hmm. it, it, it's a good opportunity it's, to go back to yeah. Frodo and Sam. Yeah. So Frodo and Sam, we have them, they're continuing their climb upwards. And during their climb, there's just more of this like doubt and discord being that, a little bit sown by, by a uh, golem. And, at one point, Gollum has like a sneaky little plot where he takes their food, crumbles some of it on Sam and tosses it away. And when they they awaken, he he sort of tricks Frodo or leads Frodo to believe that Sam is lying when, when Sam accuses a, a Gollum of taking their food and makes it out to look like, no, Sam ate it and he's just saying this and he's, you know, and, and, and not Frodo, only that, he also tells Frodo at one point in a in a one-on-one -on -one saying that Sam wants the ring. That's 
Sam's trying to take the ring from Frodo. Yeah. And, and that at one point Sam is going to take try to take the ring. Yeah. And Frodo already in the paranoia that the ring is getting to him. You know, we we can we've seen this like slowly as he's being devolved, the ring is constantly beating on his his psyche. This, you know, the the craving for it and the effect that it has on and you know, anybody, even a, a hobbit of fortitude, a hobbit that doesn't want power, all they want is to go home. And and one of the reasons that hobbits are least affected by the rings because they don't have any, you know, they, they don't crave anything that the ring can give them. Um, still being weakened down in this moment with, with all this accusation, tell Sam, like he, he believes it and he tells Sam to go, you know, Sam, you need to go. Like he believes Sam is a danger. And it's just, it's just really man, like yeah. weak, sad moment where you, I mean, you see Sam breaking down. He's like, I've yeah, been with please, you this whole way. Please Mr. Frodo. Yeah. He doesn't believe him. And, and man, it's just, it's, it's rough, man. Like you just really feel for Sam where you're like, no, we know that Sam is, he's being tricked. Frodo, you don't know. Yeah. And all this stuff. It's, it's like, you're just like screaming internally as you're watching. And so Frodo and, uh, Smeagol continue up the mountain and Sam starts to head down. Yeah. And they arrive at this cave that Gollum's been telling them about the, the tunnel, the way through. And as they proceed inside, Frodo loses Gollum, can't find him and begins, you know, seeing that there's webs and dead bodies everywhere and, and and begins to realize that like that I, he thinks he's being led, led into a trap and he realizes that there i mean there's some great monster here there shelob the, the giant spider yeah the giant spider is there and is going to try and kill frodo and take him and Gollum led him here and, and makes it clear like you know can i just say i spent a long time not knowing there was a big spider in this movie and when i found out there was a big spider in this movie it made me very happy that i did not attempt to see this as a kid <laughs> Yeah, I bet mm-hmm. it probably would have freaked you out. <laughs> would not have been happy um, with that. <laughs> yeah, but Frodo is, you know, using the light of Gladriel to uh, and and trying to fend off uh, Shelob. Loses his sword, you know, loses his pack, like is you know covered in webs, but continues on. Still, uh, you know, and and the light. I believe he loses the light in there as well. But eventually, you know, against all odds, he makes it out. He gets through the tunnels and makes it out on the other side. And he's able to confront Gollum about the trap that he basically put him into. Yeah. And at first, like he, he's sort of able to like, sort of uh, talk with Gollum reason out. Like, why did you betray me? And Gollum seems almost like I'm, I'm, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's or the Yeah. And he says, this is why we must destroy the precious. This is why we must destroy the ring. And I think this is the first time where it's mm-hmm. where Gollum realizes that that's what they were venturing into Mordor to do. Yep. And this enrages Gollum. Yeah, that is, that is precisely it. Yeah, Gollum has not known up to this point what they were doing, why they were going to Mordor with the 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 ring. And he tells him, he's like, yeah, I, we're going to destroy it. And Gollum, yeah, he can't take that. Like, he can't take destroying the precious. And they get into an altercation, but Frodo basically, like, tosses him off like a, a cliff. There's like a pit, yeah. Yeah, it's like a pit and tosses him off. And Frodo realizing the, it's like you see him realizing this betrayal and having like his equipment's all gone and he doesn't have Sam. Yeah. He has nothing, you know, he has nobody and, and he's just like, but he just resolves himself to keep moving forward and he keeps going. And while he is moving back, he's late. Shelob still alive has followed him out and stabs him right in the chest with her stinger and drops him and webs him up. And I don't know. I don't know if this detail I in the detail I watched, at some point before this, we see Sam and his venturing down mm-hmm. that he discovers the bread mm-hmm. that was tossed off and he realizes 
he tossed it. He got rid of it because that was one of the reasons why like Frodo didn't believe that Gollum did anything with it mm-hmm. because Gollum wouldn't have eaten the food and yeah. he didn't eat the food. He just tossed it. Yeah. And so Sam sees that and something about it gives him the resolve to turn around. Like, I don't know what exactly, you know, what, what you would think he has here, but he's like, no, I'm going to go back and convince Frodo. I need to be with him. He can't be trusted. And he turns around. Yeah. And- it's in that moment that he knows that Gollum played a trick. Like he has the evidence of it. Yeah. And so, and, you know, Frodo's being wrapped up in webs and potentially to be taken away and eaten. Um, when, when Sam arrives, wielding uh, wielding Sting and wielding Galadriel's light and basically battles it out with Shelob and, and wounds her so badly that she retreats and and goes and, you know, cuts uh, Frodo free from the webs. But Frodo is, is a- dead. A- appears to be dead. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and he, you know, Sam is distraught that he has died. But and here's he, some orcs, tro- orc troops coming. Yeah, and he goes to hide, and the orcs troops show up, and find uh, Frodo's body, and one of them talking aloud basically makes it makes it clear, oh, uh, you know, oh, this one's not dead yet. Uh, uh, you know, she just paralyzed him. Yep, and so Frodo, uh, Sam is like, no, oh my god, he's he's not dead, and so they take Frodo's body away. Sam follows them, and uh, at, so at this point in the, you know, basically Sam follows them, makes it into their castle and there is a a scene where we see basically like an altercation started between a bunch of the uh orcs over who gets the mithril vest yeah and and basically there's a fight that started there and when sam arrives it is essentially like half empty like half the orcs are all dead yeah um, it's only the ones that were left uh, remaining that are there and uh in the books you know a little note about this in the books Sam is uh, he uses the ring basically to like stealth all the way in uh, and and he has to go like a whole different way. Like they close like a gate, but uh, like the way that they go and he has to like go back through Shelob's lair um, to to make it, you know, to find another pass that takes him to where the that, the keep is, which Sheriff Ungol, I believe, is actually the name of that, that castle. Which I'm glad that they didn't do it that way in the movie, even though like it it felt a bit unbelievable that Sam could just like walk his way through. Mm. I liked the reveal that Sam had the ring that he had taken it off of Frodo's body. Yeah, because there is a sense of urgency. I felt watching it that, oh, the the orcs have the ring. The orcs have the ring like it's Mm -hmm. like it's lost. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So um, but. You know, basically the orcs have like killed a lot of each other and Sam goes in there and he fights his way through, kills a bunch of orcs and makes his way all the way up to the tower where he rescues Frodo, Frodo and, and reveals to Frodo who thinks he's like, Sam, they have it. They have the ring. They take in the Mithril shirt. They, you know, they take in all of Frodo's things and Sam's like, nope, I have it. I saved the ring, you know, because he like thought that Frodo was dead and he was going to continue the journey without him. And it's in the, at this point that Frodo is able to see when Frodo asked for the ring back from Sam. Frodo's able to see mm. the the hesitancy on Sam's face, mm-hmm. and it it sort of reinstills that we need to get rid of this. Yeah, mm. yeah. And uh, in the books, it does it does show that like in in Sam's mind, like uh, he is tempted by the ring. He, he does have this like, oh, I could be Sam the Sam the brave. I could be the great. You know, blah blah. blah. Like he is tempted, but he you know he gives it up. Yeah. Um, Quick question. Being oh, and this actually is a is a thing. Is that Sam? Uh, I believe in the moment when he willingly gives it up to Frodo is the only ring bearer that ever gives the ring up like willingly when asked for it. Oh, I I could see that. Yeah, that's it's like it's like a no. Sam is the only like bearer of the ring that ever gives up the ring willingly. 
Well, does Bilbo not give it up willingly? Oh, I guess uh, I, I thought I had read that somewhere that he was. On I, well, I no, guess when he doesn't. I, he doesn't. He he was going to keep the ring and take it with him. And Gandalf had to compel him to give it up. OK, yeah, that's fair. But yeah, so. Uh, here, here we are uh, and they have the ring and they are yeah. they're in Mordor. They're in Mordor and they disguise themselves as orcs and basically tromp their way through Mordor and but they see this line of the entire armies basically blocking their passage to mm -hmm. Mount Doom. Yeah. And so this is where we intersect back. <laughs> yeah. And so at this point, we we know the, the Aragorn, Gandalf, all, all of them are assembled. Uh, you know, Aemir, they're all assembled together and they're basically like what are we going to do like you know we know that the enemy you know enemies there they're going to be buying their time our forces are are, are are pretty well fucked and they basically make a decision they say we need to go to the black gate and we're going to engage them for the purpose of like at this point sauron doesn't have the ring we know that he doesn't have the ring because if he had the ring then all would be lost then we we would know that we we have failed but at this point, we have to believe that Frodo and Sam are still trying to get the ring to Mordor, and we need to give them the best chance. We need to draw out his forces so that they are not in between Frodo and Sam getting to Mountain Doom. And so they, you know, and, and Aragorn is like, I am the king now. Like, he has taken up his mantle and says, like, this is what we're going to do, everyone. We're going, and we're going to, like, whether this be our last battle, this is this is what we have to do then. Like, it's worth, worth it. We need to give them the distraction that they need to get there. And... We see Frodo and Sam, like, uh, it kind of cuts back to them. And we see them, that literally all these armies are being called forth to the Black Gate. And I don't know if they actually did it in, like, the movie in the extended edition. But basically in the in the books, uh, remind me if they did. In the books, they, like, accidentally get, like, ganged up with a bunch of orcs for that a while. That happens in the movie. Yeah, yeah. so they're, they're with a bunch of orcs for a little while. And they end up kind of, like, basically, like, cutting away from them and escaping. And moving on, they get rid of their orc garb. At this point, I mean, it's it's described that they, I mean, they've been traveling through Mordor for like a couple days, with like no and like they've run out of water, like fresh water. They've run out of food, and they are just like like on their last legs, like literally have to drink from some like black stream, like where it's like a like gross, like literally just to survive, like that they drink out of this like dank, shitty stream. Yeah, because they they had run out of water, and yeah, it's at, at th this is where I was talking about, like they go through stuff. Sam and Frodo, like Frodo, there's a point where Frodo can't walk yeah. and Sam is literally having to carry him. Yeah. And this is why, man, <laughs> anybody that watches all these movies realizes like Sam is like the real hero, you know, <laughs> like he saves the ring from being captured from the goblins right there. He saves, Sam, uh, you know, Frodo from uh, like, like Shelob, you know, he was always there supporting Sam and he literally picks up and in the end, like he could have just like left Frodo, took him the ring and done it himself. Like he didn't even need to take uh, Frodo, but he literally is like, I'm going to take you for, I'm going to carry you Frodo. So that you can complete this mission. It, in a way, this is Sam's movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sam. Yeah. Sam is the man. He He's the one. It Well, it's him. It's his movie and one other person's movie. And that other person has led his army to the Black Gate. <laughs> yeah. And they there before the Black Gate. They call out Sauron. They they say, come forth and face us. Like, we're here to face you. And the Black Gates opened up and forth comes this, you know, a, a, a great army, an army far greater than the, the men that they have brought with them. And they surround them. Yeah. And what comes forth also is the, the mouth of Sauron, this like basically this creature that speaks for Sauron. And it comes forward and says like, oh, you've come forth and you, you know, you've come forth to, to face us. 
Like, did you think that your hobbits were going to sneak in here? And he throws the Mithril shirt down and yeah. they're like, oh my God, they've captured Frodo. Like, which means that they must have the ring. But in this moment, they realize I'm like, but if they had the ring, then it would be all for naught. And it's and, not. And, so, and even, so if must it not was, have, even if it was all for naught, this yeah, is all they, 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 this is all this they can is do. their last stand anyways. Yeah, exactly. So he fucking cuts the mouth of Sauron's head off and he says, let's fucking go and like leave the charge and is like, let's go. They, they engage in this battle. This is also a scene where we get like, uh, I, I feel like there's a couple like little one shots, but the thing that stands out is Gimli saying, I never thought I'd um, uh, die fighting with an elf. <laughs> <laughs> and what about a friend? <laughs> and that and that's, that's basically the wrap up of their, when I said like earlier that there there are some smaller arcs that ha- get smaller resolutions, that's sort of like the wrap up. Like they went from a dwarf and an elf. Like yeah, they, they those things don't go together to being friends. Yep, yeah, and it is kind of like you know you know it's kind of cool. It's kind of nice. Mary and Pippin are back together, both in their you know Rohirrim and uh, and uh, you know Gondor's guard, uh, you know uh, guard uh, outfits and stuff, which. In the books, uh, you know, it's cool that they did it in that one, but in the books is not actually what happened. Eowyn, Mary, or actually, no, they actually might have been present, but in the movie, Eowyn and Faramir, I know, are back at Minas Tirith yeah. because that's when they. So, a couple of things that are, you know, these, these are actually points of the book that are easily left out, right? Because it's not like huge to the story. But one thing that actually fully solidifies that Aragorn is like the king, uh, you know, to prove to people is that like there's like a prophecy or like something said that the king has healing hands. Like he has basically magical healing hands and uh he goes he goes and there's Eowyn, Mary and Faramir are all like laying in like a wasting state like they're wasting away yeah. and dying and using he literally calls for king's foil uh like you know that the same little herb he calls for king's foil and using king's foil and like like he literally lays his hands on all three of them and like cures them of this wasting disease which they were basically given like Faramir was just in a, in a dire state and Eowyn and, and uh, Mary were literally like like a curse was put on them for like striking the witch king. Yeah. And he like basically cures them of this. And, and that that's just not in the. Thing. Yeah. And it proves to people that see it basically like you. He is the king. Like he is literally the king because he has healing hands. Um, Like not if, if there was any doubt about it before, like he has something that only he has. Like he has literal magic that only the king can do. Um, Also in the books, another thing not important necessarily to the plot, but you know, just interesting point is that um, uh, Aragorn uses the plant here as well like he uses the plantier that's that's there to um like challenge sauron and like draw his eye and like see you know basically like basically has like a mental struggle with sauron and like beats him and says like you know i'm coming for you uh, and you know calls him out so that's like that was like his first phase of like drawing sauron's uh eye is to like you call him out with the plantier have this mental battle with him that only only like only people that are like of the strong like literally the kingly bloodline which even the stewards are of the kingly bloodline could can use it and like succeed basically. So they but, begin this battle. Yeah, the Aragorn has successfully led the troops out mm-hmm. of Mordor, and Sam and Frodo, on their last legs, are trying to make it up yeah. to Mount Doom. And they see at one point they see that there's basically like an entryway. Mm-hmm. Like they don't have to get to the top of the mountain. There's like this like there's like this doorway mm-hmm. into the into the volcano. Yeah, but before they can make it, they are assaulted by Gollum, who's not dead, motherfucker. Like, 
but in a way like this basically jump starts there like 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 they were barely they were barely holding on mm -hmm. but like it I, I presumably like adrenaline at this point they're able to like get back on their feet like they they get him off of them they like cast him aside and they run into mount doom and they get there and frodo gets to the ledge within the volcano he's holding the ring and he fails he puts it on he, he puts he, it on and says no it's mine in the very end frodo fails and, uh, and he is going to take the ring for himself just like just like a sealed over for him when he had the chance when his friend was begging him cast it into the fire and needs to be destroyed. He did not. He fails to. And so. This is, this is where we got into the argument last time. Yeah, he fails. Um, and uh, so Gollum appears and is able to see, even though Frodo has gone invisible with the ring on, he's able to like see the footprints and he hops onto him. High perception. Yeah. <laughs> And he I, and he's also just used to the powers of the ring. Yeah, he he's, he knows what to look for. I mean, he's he's the one that snuck around like that for a long time. And he bites his finger off. He bites the yeah the ring finger off, and and has a hold of the ring. And and there basically they they continue to, to struggle a little bit. And Frodo pushes Gollum off and falls well, off with him. Yeah, they both fall off. Mm -hmm. uh, and Gollum falls right into the lava. And we get this scene of him holding the ring out of the lava with his last breath, like just trying to yeah. keep it and hold his precious. Mm -hmm. And it goes into the lava with him. Mm -hmm. And at first it doesn't start to burn. It just we, sets right on top of that, like burn crust of what used to be gone. And we hand. see, and we see Sam having the opportunity to pull Frodo out. Yep. And the rings in, and then we start to see it burn up in the fires of Mount Doom. And, and we see the reaction from the tower, the tower with Sauron's eye that's been looking across the battlefield and looking for Frodo and Sam. And we, we've seen it so many times. It begins to shudder and, and dissolve and break. And, and you know, literally earthquake goes out and all, all the people on the, on, in the, uh, all the orcs begin to retreat. But as they retreat, literally in, like the, the earth, earth falls in and them swallows falls. them whole. And destroys literally all the armies of Sauron. And Sam and Frodo, while still like barely getting out of Mount Doom, mm -hmm. the volcano begins to erupt. <laughs> yeah, and they are basically like fucked. And and they they everybody looks with hope as they see the volcano, like or as they see Sauron being destroyed, and every and and then they see the volcano erupting, knowing and, where their friends are. Yeah, knowing that they're there, like believing, like oh my god, like they're gonna die, like the the volcano's it erupting. <laughs> Like I knew what happened, but seeing like all of their faces, yeah. like the happiness, just like, cause yeah. we see, we see Mary and Pippin mm -hmm. just know, like in that moment, they believe that their friends just died, yeah, exactly. that their friends saved them, but that they're gone. Yeah. And, and so we see this touching moment with Frodo and Sam laying there, like basically potentially dying. And they're like kind of saying their last goodbyes, you know, and, but Gandalf rides in with the the eagles, and they find Frodo and Sam. And they save them. They they bring them out on the eagles that were only able to do it, only able to take them out, but not able to take them there. I've heard that argument before. Before I saw these movies, so I mm -hmm. went in with that thought, and I'm like, no, like the eagles wouldn't have worked. They the ring rates would have come and killed them. Like yeah. the the tower would have seen them coming. Mm -hmm. Th that's not a real solution. I get it. Yeah. Like I get the instinct, but 
yeah, no, I, I, I understand some of Cause I, you know, at one point I also thought the same thing. I was like, why, you know, like, why didn't they take the Eagles when I heard that original thing? I even heard like the theory that was like Gandalf saying fly you fools was him saying, take the Eagles, you fools. But no, yeah, they would have just been, the Eagles would have been seeing the ring race literally right on Drake's that are giant dragons. And they would have just gone after, they would have sensed the ring and gone after the one that had the, the ring and just killed it and taken the ring Been done. We'll be over. Also, a quote a quote that I had heard out of context before, but when I finally when I heard it within context, hits really hard. Is um, I, I'm glad you're here with me here at the end of all things. Yep. I, ah. Man, yeah. And it's just so beautiful. Like they're on this like little safe passage of the lava before they're picked up, and it's just it just hits so hard. And you just like look at these two; they're like ravaged from the journey they've been mm-hmm. on. They are not the same hobbits they started out as. Yeah, yeah. And it's man, it's just such a it's just an epic moment. You know, like the success, but also like this down feeling of like, oh my god, they're gonna die. And then and then like the the coming in and getting saved the last second, like roller coaster of emotions right there in the end. But. They are saved and they and we they're they're carried off. And the next thing we see is basically Frodo awaken mm-hmm. in a bed in a bed again in Rivendell. Uh, I, I, this says that he awakens in Minas Tirith, not in Rivendell. Oh, OK, just cut that part out. <laughs> no, we're leaving huh. that. He awakens in yeah. Minas Tirith. And um, uh, he he is greeted uh, slowly by all of the members of the all the surviving members of the fellowship coming mm-hmm. in and uh and i've seen i've seen this scene uh parodied before mm-hmm. like with like the uh, audio like dubbed out but the the scene itself is very touching seeing them all come in and so joyous happy to see uh frodo awaken having survived mm-hmm. it, it, it it's just this touching reunion they all come in to uh basically embrace their friend and the last one to come in we see Sam. So Sam also survived and they just give this look to each other mm-hmm. and it's, <laughs> it's touching. It's touching. It's beautiful. It's meaningful and forget whatever they have to say about it in clerks too. Oh my God. What the gay hobbits thing. <laughs> like why can't, why can't men display some, some, uh, you know, again, not men hobbits, you know, male characters display some, some, uh, you know, like some uh, some humble, gentle masculinity, okay? Like, why can't you be, like, you just went on this crazy journey with your brother here, like, someone so close to you, and you can't, what, like, fucking feel some affection for them and be like, wow, man, look at that stuff we did. Holy crap, dude. Like, we really went through some shit there, and, like, I has think to be gay, I guess. I, it, it, it's worth noting, Um, well, we can get to it. We're about to go, at this point, yeah. they have the, so, before the Shire, the, before they return to the Shire, There's we have the, the king's co- yeah, procession. The, yeah, the coronation of uh, of Aragorn, like as you know, to be fully recognized as king by Gandalf, the crown placed upon his head. Um, all everybody's there. All the you know any any surviving to say yeah. um, major figures that we've seen have basically come for this. You know, to, Inclu- to see the king crowned, including Arwen, who is immediately embraced by Aragorn mm-hmm. and taken in as the queen. Yeah. Yep. And. Uh, uh, we, you know, have, yeah, we just have like everybody there to see the King's, uh, you know, King's crown. And, and as he walks, you know, he's being like bowed to by all these people, but he comes forth to the, the hobbits, hobbits and, and they go to bow and, and man, this is just, <laughs> God, this moment, it really, it's kind of like, it's such a good, it, it, it's it, so perfect. 
it, I, I knew it was coming. I knew the line, but to mm-hmm. see him say it, yeah, you bow to no one. Yeah, and he and he bows. My to them. friends. Yeah, and he bows, he bows and everyone else bows around yeah. them. And, and these hobbits, which is like a thing because they're really small, so you have to like literally bow to get below them. But but yeah, they just look around at all these people bowing with bowing, you know, to them, and it's like, you know, man, it's just yeah, it's just a fucking. It's so it's so good. It's just such a good moment, man. It's just like, damn, yeah, these these boys did it. Like and like and again, Aragorn just displaying a noble king, right? Not being like, I'm the fucking king now. Yeah, everybody should bow to me. He's like, no, like you saved the fucking world. Like I wouldn't be a king of anything if it wasn't for like you know what you all did here. And like you know, just shows his humbleness. It's like, fuck, man, like God damn it, like who could be a better king? True. And I mean, at this point, we basically, I mean, have like the resolution, the conclusion of the movie. I mean, yeah, the uh, hobbits are able to return to the Shire. We see them at that pub. I can't remember the name of it, but the one that we saw them at at the beginning of the fellowship where they were all having fun. And uh, this time, instead of just looking at the ladies dancing, we see uh, Sam go up to the girl he always liked and uh, marry that bitch. Yeah, yeah, just... (laughs) Yeah, marriage <laughs> next day. Like, and the movie the movie doesn't not articulate this, mm-hmm. but a few years pass. We see. I mean, it it articulates it articulates it in the fact that we see him get married and we see him have children, and Frodo has uh, written into uh, Bilbo's book where Bilbo wrote uh, the an unexpected journey. Uh, Frodo wrote the uh, the Lord, Lord of, the of the Rings. Yeah, so he 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 writes their story uh, there, and I believe it's called the Red Book of Westmarch. Is what it's like. I think yeah, called. that's what I just yeah. Um and uh, but yeah, and then they basically uh you know at this point after a couple of years, Bilbo is now like really you know the the longevity that the Ring bestowed upon him is now faded, and he is now wearing his his many you know his his uh you know upper end of Hobbit years um you know like he it's it's very clearly displayed now and. And uh, he has been get, given a gift that he is going to be allowed to go to the Grey Havens with uh, Galadriel, Elrond, and, and Gandalf, Gandalf yeah. who are all, you know, uh, I think I mentioned in one of the other podcasts is that, like, the whole thing is that their rings only worked as long as Sauron's ring worked. And once his was destroyed, their their power now has, has faded. They're built, the, the ring's powers to protect their lands and, and keep them, you know, the, keep them at the way that they were is gone. So now... The, a- the age of elves and... Um, uh... Is and, over. It's the age of man. Yeah, and so they are all going to go back to the 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 Grey Havens. They're going to go back to where the dying lands. Yeah, and Gandalf is going to return there. He was sent. You know, Gandalf was originally sent to guide men. You know, against the evils, and Sauron is the last great evil that needed to be dealt with. And he Gandalf's work work is done. The elves are return are leaving because they are no longer made for this world, and. Bilbo leaves because he's had his adventures and this seems like another fun one to go on. Yep. And so as they, you know, walk away, Frodo lets the other hobbits know that, you know, the pain that he's felt for years that has not ever really healed. Uh, he, it, it leading him to say like, he's, he's going to go away too. Like he can't ever really be satisfied here in he, middle earth. He could never return to the Shire. Yeah. And, it's one of those things, God, like in that moment, I'm like, you feel so bad for him because that he, he, he didn't, he never wanted to leave the Shire. Yeah. And, and now it's like this, but now that, he can't go back. Yeah. That, that journey really took from him. Like he had to make a sacrifice that 
nobody can really understand. Like it, it drew from his 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 uh, constitution, his, his his willpower, and and he always has the lingering the wound of the ring race, like that he always has like a like a basically a small curse upon him, and and he can never be satisfied or content anymore. Not in the Shire where he always just wanted to be. It's 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 very sad. And it's sad that because of that, he has to go. Like basically he has to, this, that journey still killed him. You know, yeah. as far as it is like, they're going to heaven, like the, the heaven that anybody could expect. But uh, St. Frodo does leave with his best friend, Sam, the red book of Westmarch. <laughs> yeah. And we see Sam return, Sam with the other hobbits return to the Shire. And the, the film ends with him with his wife in the Shire. <laughs> Fuck yeah, this movie's amazing. <laughs> it's so good. It's such a... I, I went into this hearing that there were multiple endings to this movie and that it, the ending went on for so long. So maybe that helped, but I didn't think that the ending was too long. Everything that happened in the ending was important and needed to be shown. Yeah, it concluded if, everybody's story. If anything, I expected more stuff to be overly resolved and like stuff that didn't need to be resolved didn't like we didn't we didn't get like a clear cut like what what's Gimli up to now what's Legolas's life no like we they weren't they weren't uh integral to the plot and so we didn't need to see what happened to them all we needed to see is what happened to the hobbits <laughs> yeah exactly I mean they are they are the they're the heart yeah. of the story they're hard the story yeah and we know what happened to Aragorn you know like that again he was returned the king the king returned so uh, let's go through. Um, I, I so I want to start off by talking about uh, in the last two movies, I I made a point to say who my favorite character was, and this movie really uh, tipped over the top who my favorite character was. And God, Aragorn is the so so fucking great. He's, yeah, I know. he's the fucking best. And uh, Vigo Mortensen, like, uh, like. It, it's just this arc of a like a lowly ranger, like basically when he's thrust into a position where he needs to do what's right, he constantly does the right thing. Yeah. And like and there's something we said about someone being like such a overly good person, like just like, oh, we get it. You're great. You're awesome. And that's kind of the idea I've had of Aragorn going into this, that he would just be like too perfect but everything all of the actions he does like they're the right things they're the good things to do but it doesn't feel it feels like they come from this character it doesn't feel like it's oh he does this because it's what the he, we need this character to be good and do these right things it feels like this is this man this man is meant to do these honorable things and when he becomes the king he is the king he deserves to be the king and and when you see him crowned again the the you bow to no one and he bows to the hobbits just even when he like what we've seen kings in these movies like succumb to power and like be tempted by it and when he has basically he's the most powerful man in middle earth he takes the time to bow to his friends the people who in a way helped him to achieve his throne he'd never forgot yeah no it's uh it's just something else and the, you know speaking about what what you're kind of saying is that so 
he uh, we see him do many good things in this but the feeling is i, I think it's, it's like the feeling is not that like he just does good things and so like he's just he isn't just a perfect man but he's like he's a a man who chooses to make right decisions when that's he's what faced it with is them. yeah he, he's constantly faced with other choices and he always makes the correct one yeah well may, maybe not always but what he always thinks is the correct choice yeah it doesn't seem like he uh, like like it doesn't put it out like he's just like oh must we have to do this good thing and stuff like it, it seems like he has to make it like like take take their army to the black gates where they don't they it, don't know what's going on with frodo and sam they just have to hope they're like this is the best thing we can do he could be like no let's all hole up here hopefully frodo and sam get through his you know, choices like, always appear to weigh on him like if he had he if if a sacrifice is necessary he always seems willing to make it like when he had to leave arwen in rivendell like he didn't want to do that that like he truly loves arwen and he but he had to just give that up because something more important had to happen mm -hmm. yeah and and he knew like he, and I don't know how much he knew, but he he basically was under the assumption that Arwen wouldn't be there when he returned. Yeah, exactly. And he knew he was giving that up, and he was like, I, I accept that, right? Like, when he sees her at, at his coronation, it's like a big deal. He's like, oh, my God, you're still here. You you waited for me, and like, and, and we succeeded, and it was, like, all worth, oh, my God, you know, it's a big deal. Like, he never expected her to stay and knew that he was giving that up to... And even though he didn't expect her to stay... There, there is a scene in the movie where, like, basically, Aragorn. We we talked about Eowyn like clearly being smitten with Aragorn, and Aragorn was aware of this. And we see in Return of the King, he gets a chance to say, "I'm sorry, I I, I understand, but I I can't I can't be what you want." And even even when he had no certainty that he would see Arwen again, he still stayed true to her. And I think that's another one of those moments where I was just like, God, what a good person. Cause he could have just like, like played it both ways. Like, Oh, I'm never going to see Arwen again. So Eowyn's cool, but no, he does the right thing. Yeah. And also what a good example of how like a, you know, strong, secure man, like lets down a woman. You just be like, Hey, you know, like it's, it's not going to work out. Blah, blah, like, you know, like that, what, what a fucking guy. Like he just says how it is. He's like, sorry, can't, can't do it. You know, like my heart belongs somewhere else. Like fucking Jesus Christ. How much better could you, could you be? What? Well, but again, it's, it's really a thing is like great, really good guy. Excellent. Like person and everything, but it never seems just like fake. It doesn't seem like it's just like, Oh, he's just some perfect, whatever guy. It always seems like organic. Like it's a man just making these better, trying to do the best thing and, and making these difficult decisions and, and just trying. It's a role just not anybody could play. And so the fact that Vigo Mortensen is able to, give this character life and like you can't imagine him being played by anybody else yep i can't imagine any of these characters being played by anybody else like they're i it, it better be like 100 years before they try and remake lord of the rings again like they better not make try to yeah don't do it dude don't you fucking do it i mean amazon's doing a show but like it's within the world not about it's not yeah. the re straight remake yeah so um so are there anything any other like I mean, we can just go through some characters. I mentioned Eowyn again, like it, her. I didn't like her in the second movie. I like her more in this movie. Mary and Pippin are basically thrust into the midst of war and battle and are especially uh, Mary is actually like in the middle of the battle of Minas Tirith and like he and he doesn't cower away from it. He goes in. He's ready mm -hmm. to fight because he knows that his friends are doing something way more scary. Yeah, we see we see here something that like in the Hobbit, actually the Hobbit movies, 
um, Gandalf mentions that uh, like that that hobbits have courage, right? And and you know, difference between courage and bravery being like bravery is is doing uh you know th- you know doing things that uh, doing things that are like heroic and stuff with like without being afraid, right? Courage is doing things that you are afraid of, anyways, right? Yeah. And we, I mean, we see Pippin literally trying to stand against Denethor, you know, the steward of Gondor, like a person that he's supposed to be serving, trying to, you know, save Faramir. We see Mary literally striking out at the Witch King, like at, at like this crazy, uh, you know, like deadly wraith that he's faced before and been cast aside from, like that could just like totally kill him, and he still summons up the courage. Uh, to to you know a strike at him and and give both him and Awen the chance to succeed in the day. Yeah. Um, and it, I just noticed this. Mary and Pippin each individually save Awen and Faramir. Yes. Who end up? Uh, the, it's sort of indicated, but they end up you know together. together. So which? <laughs> hey, that's that sort of like sort of like it, it's like so artfully like intertwined that way because mm-hmm. i didn't even realize that the two hobbits saved those two people mm-hmm. until this moment and it just sort of adds to the oh yes yep oh god <laughs> yeah they they essentially save the you know like the the leaders of um both of those you know states like again you know if, if it weren't for Aragorn becoming king like uh faramir would be the new steward of but, Fa- but faramir is probably going to take over the guard yeah and uh and i mean technically eowyn's not gonna rule over uh rohan because that goes to eomen but like she'll Amir. serve it what amir amir yeah yeah Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, still like again, these, these like leader figures of yeah. these, like, yeah, this is why they're, you know, not like they take over Isengard and, you know, like help with the battle of Helm's Deep, but they also saved these two important figures. And without them, like, I mean, like, they would be leaders, but I mean, it would, those would be major losses. They, they would not kill the witch King without, uh, they Mary. wouldn't have gone to Minas Tirith without, um, uh, Pip looking at the Palantir. Yeah. And this is why sometimes you're like, oh, well, Frodo and Sam are the ones that actually destroy the ring, but like Mary and Pippin do some majorly influential and important things. Saruman would not have been felled without Merry and Pippin. Yeah. They, again, if, if without Merry and Pippin, Saruman would have just mustered more of his forces, put on a defense. And like, the, and again, they, the, the Rohirrim would have to travel through Fangorn forest to get to the, the borders of Isengard and then have to fight all the remaining orcs and Saruman with his power. In Fellowship of the Ring, Saruman and Sauron are two separate like Sauron is this sort of bigger bad because of the ring, but Saruman is almost like an equal evil threat because we know that he is in the first movie more powerful than Gandalf and that makes him a serious threat. So to think that those two bad guys were individually essentially taken down by the actions of the four hobbits, that's sort of just like such a satisfying thing to think of. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's I, I, yeah. Again, it just always adds to why they deserve so much praise. And Gandalf, like I, I, I understand him being a favorite character from the first and the second movie, and in this movie, he just basically takes charge. Mm-hmm. Like for a lot of like the Battle of Minas Tirith is basically being led by Gandalf, who then in the middle of the battle, like goes off to basically help also save Faramir. Yeah. And also at one point, uh, I don't know if this is extended faces, edition, faces, faces the, Witch the Witch King himself. Yeah. 
faces the Witch King, leads the charge, literally, sa- I mean, saves the, the retreating men as they're coming. Like, it's, I mean... Saves Faramir's um, men when they're being attacked by the Ringwraiths earlier in the movie. Yeah, exactly. It's, I mean, yeah, Gandalf actually does a fair amount, like, to contribute to the success of the story. And we see this thing here, right, where Gandalf the Grey, you know... He, he gets into some battles and stuff like well, we see this transition where he turns into, into Gandalf the White and in the two towers he like leads them somewhere and talks a little bit and like casts out Theoden but then like he's not there for the rest of the movie. Yeah, he come he comes in with the Rohirrim army mm-hmm. and so we sort of see him there in this movie. He's playing an active role. Yeah, yeah, he's doing and, that, and that's the thing is like Gandalf was not ever supposed to be an active like doing things until he realized that like, all right, Saruman is actively working against us and that's not what we were supposed to do. So I need to change my role and him becoming, you know, Gandalf the white is him taking on the power he needs to actually take that active role. Yeah. He, he was Gandalf the gray to be like a lesser, not very powerful, you know, form so that he could just be an advisor to people and, and, uh, you know, Kings and help guide them, not actually influence events. And so we, we really see that in this movie. How he's just, he's like doing the, th- whatever he can to defeat the evil and Legolas and Gimli. And they're just, you know, they're, Look, cool. That, they're cool and they're fun. Like they're there. Yeah, that's why I brought them up. Basically, the end of their arc is the moment where they become friends, where they're able to get past their prides and just accept like, hey, we're friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let me ask. I mean, I don't know if there's any any other characters we can comment on too much more, but Gollum dies. I, f- I feel as much as I praised Gollum as a character in the two towers in return of the King, he's just playing the role of a corrupting figure. Yeah. I think I do think I've always thought it was such a good choice to have Gollum be basically if Gollum had not appeared, the ring would not have fallen into Mount doom. So the idea that Gollum is the reason that the ring felon like i know it's not entirely on him but i do think that that is a sort of poetry and it's a symmetry to this movie that at the beginning of the movie we see technically deagle pull up the ring like basically unearth the ring from its like who knows how long it was just sitting there and it maybe could have sat there forever Mm -hmm. but smeagol was involved with it being brought back to life and smeagol was there when it was cast out of this world. That's yeah, that's really well said. And and it's uh it uh, echoes back to Gandalf having this foresight and and not having like, you know, like cuz it was like like why didn't you know, why haven't you why didn't you slay Gollum? And you know, Bilbo didn't kill Gollum because of pity, but, but Gandalf hasn't stopped or tried to prevent Gollum from following them when they when he knows them in the Mines of Moria because he says Gollum still has a part to play. And, you know, he didn't know what or why, but Gollum still had something. Seen it. And Gollum, and, and for a ring, while, you think that it's just him leading them into Mordor. Yeah. Which uh, then alone, he plays an important part. They yeah. couldn't have gotten there without him. Yeah. Would they have gotten they would have they would have maybe made it to the Black Gates and they would have probably just gotten captured and boom, all over right there. Like without Gollum, just as well. And, you know, it's something it's, it's something to say about like the again, again another Hobbit, <laughs> another Hobbit. Yeah. With, without Gollum, the ring would not have made it into Mountain Doom and they would not have succeeded. I so this is the movie where it's basically shown that he was at one point a hobbit that got corrupted and it was like an immediate corruption like he he didn't even touch the ring and mm-hmm. he was willing to kill his cousin over yeah. it yeah which that's and, and in the books I think it does talk a little bit more about like who Smeagol was as a person um and he was like a craven sort of like and they, I don't think Smeagol was a 
actual like a full hobbit he was like a hobbit like person he was you know they were like river folk which are like you know a, a kind of hobbit that just lives near there and they're just a little different a little like more whatever but but it was it did say that smeagol was a craven person that did crave like attention and power okay and that's why he was corrupted because any person that craves those things can be corrupted uh because the the ring will promise it'll it'll use that that in you to uh to like take hold and like to corrupt your mind that's why Hobbits are normally so resistant because they don't crave anything, but just, you know, I think Bilbo says it in things like, you know, Hobbits want nothing more than like good food, like, you know, like tilled earth and like, you know, like, uh, you know, a a warm place to like sleep or some shit. Like they, they want like simple things. They don't really want anything bigger than that. That's why it took so long for it to even get to Frodo where he's like, no, no, I do want this power. Like it took literally all the time he was traveling for it to slowly, you know, get its, you know, corrupt him. But yeah, so uh, Smeagol, he doesn't play as much of like you don't get as much character from him, but I think his character was well enough established in the two towers that the arc of his uh, his birth as Gollum at the beginning of the movie and his death as Gollum at the end of the movie, I think is its own sort of like I his character is not as fulfilling as he was in the two towers but the arc of his story is fulfilled within the movie Mm -hmm. yeah uh so yeah i don't know if there are any other major characters that we've missed um yeah so what are your maybe like final impressions you know a guy that resisted watching this movie for so many years and now you finally watched them all we're at the end of it all what at the end of all things here we are (laughs) I, I, I'm happy to have seen them. And honestly, like, and I, and I made this point before, but I kind of don't, I I don't regret not seeing them sooner because I don't know if I would have appreciated them then as much as I did watching it now, like maybe, like maybe like a couple years ago, I, I could have had the same level of appreciation for it, but I, these these are truly like remarkable movies. I I kind of wish I could see them in theaters that that may be able to elevate them to another level. I I'll be honest there it they they wouldn't be my all-time favorite movies as they are yours, which is no comment on them. It's just like my all-time favorite movies either hit me in some nostalgic place or like they just gave me something truly unexpected. And in a way these movies were expected going into me, but the richness of these films is not, you don't go into the Lord of the Rings. You don't watch those movies to see something you've never seen before. You go in because it's a familiar story with, such rich detail and so masterfully crafted that that's what you're getting from it. And that's really what it is. It's um, uh, as a film trilogy, you, you can't argue anything other than it's their masterpieces. And it's really powerful to be able to say that. uh, When the, I mean, these movies are uh, preparing to be 20 years old. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the first one is like the first I, one, I think, is this year. I looked it up just to make sure 
is in fact December 19th of 2001. This year, December Fellowship, ah. Fellowship of the Ring will be 20 years old in December of this year. I hope they put it, bring it back to theaters. God, that would be so amazing if they bring it back to theaters. I will, I will definitely be watching it in theaters. Um, and but, I'll go but with you. What an insane thing to think is that these movies are still this powerful 20 years later. Honestly, I, like, like this movie definitely uses, I think it uses a lot of practical, but it does use some CG and I think all of it holds up. Yeah. The freaking ghost. Like I, if there's any part of the movie that the three movies where the CG gets a bit wonky, it may be, uh, in the fellowship, like the ring vision that Frodo sees when he has the ring on mm -hmm. and the ghost. But even then it works. Like, I don't like think of it as, Oh, early 2000s cgi when like the scooby-doo movie was coming out i'm like it i don't i don't leave the movie i'm not taken out of the movie mm. at any point with any of the production design any of the effects it's all yeah. it all holds up so well and that's almost something to be said because i mean i think because we've gotten into a time where cg is so like normal it's just the norm like anything you're gonna do like it's gonna be big and crazy you're just, you're just cging everything. you're just shooting actors in front of green screens the whole time pretty much yeah <laughs> and and there's a lot lost when you're not using more practical effects i mean i think that the, the like St star wars was like a big pioneer they were like the the newer not sorry not newer movies i have to say the prequel films yeah episodes uh you know one two and three they were coming out around the same time and some of those effects don't hold up as well. Yeah, exactly. The C but it was like a big thing. Like they were pioneering CG at that time. They were like, boom, we're going to, we couldn't make these movies before because the C because CG didn't exist. And now we can make these movies. Bam. But if you, if you take a look at Yoda versus Smeagol, one of these, one mm -hmm. of these is just like, Oh, look, they, they put, they made the puppet a digital figure. He looks cool. It's whatever. Mm -hmm. I almost missed the puppet versus Smeagol who like, you like, don't even, like really consider the fact that he's a CG character when you're looking at him. Yeah. Original CG mocap too. Like that was like the fir first days of motion capture. Like, Again, Andy circus, like he, he built his career off of it, but it starts with this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. And it's just crazy that this film is this old and it's still the, the, the actual like making of this movie is like, it's, it's, a, mm, I don't know what was a monumentous. I uh, like it's momentous. It, yeah. Momentous. Yeah. It's, it is, really just insane that how how good these movies are so many years and how later. beautiful new zealand is yeah <laughs> it's uh, yeah of course like new zealand mm -hmm. is apparently like a amazing beautiful countryside didn't wouldn't even have expected it like i thought it was like some kind of jungle or something which is silly of me but i'm like it's right next to africa it's like an island next to africa like no you're thinking of madagascar australia sorry Wrong yes <laughs> oh, <what an> idiot. <laughs> so uh, uh but we'll cut that out <laughs> i won't <laughs> <laughs> but no like it, it's it's easy to get like if you've never been to a country you're not thinking about where the places are mm -hmm. i'm sorry um but yeah it's they're really 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 good movies and i'm happy to have watched them i'm i'm very glad that you made it around to watching them yeah so now that you watched my favorite uh movie i think i have to uh, get around to watching your favorite tv show so yeah but uh We'll we'll see. We can save that for my birthday. In the meantime, we can we can do some other stuff too. I actually had an idea of a movie that I'd like to get you to watch and talk about, but we'll save that for when it comes. Excellent. Well, is there anything else we can say about this film and all these films? I mean, if you've gotten to the end of these and you haven't watched them, 
Um, what's why the, wrong? Why the <laughs> fuck are you listening to this podcast? <laughs> we literally just give you every fucking part of the movie and spoil it. <laughs> yeah, like, and if you haven't, I, I mean, so I can't tell you to go watch the movies if you haven't already. Like, if you got into this point and you haven't seen the movies, I'm sorry. Like, I. But yeah. but but hey, maybe maybe what we have to say will help you to take a look at the movies in a different light. I because I, I feel like there are a few points in this where either you made me see something differently because of the added context and knowledge, you know, mm. or I allowed you to see something differently because of my fresh take on it that you 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 don't you can't look at this movie with fresh eyes i i can't <laughs> right you know it, and it's it has been a really interesting I, it's been cool and interesting having this experience because there have been many moments where you made me feel that way yeah so and to be able to find new things in your favorite thing is such a is such a wonderful thing and, and like that's why like when i have things that are my favorite i'll respect them and i'll regard them but i don't I try not to overdo them mm -hmm. and because when you can, when something's your favorite and it could still surprise you, it's such a good feeling. Yeah, absolutely. It and, just means that there's so much more to those things. And, it, and if I was able to help you get that experience, that makes me happy. <laughs> Man, it makes me happy that you finally watch the movies and that you can experience what I've always experienced. <laughs> I love you, brother. Love you too, man. All right. I think I think we can wrap it up. <laughs> All right. Well, until next time, folks, this has been Robert and Ryan. Have a good one.